In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. There's a famous quote out there that uh, I can't find the the original source, and it may be apocryphal, but it is attributed to the prophet Woody Allen. And it goes like this. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Do you remember the film Evan Almighty starring Steve Carell from The Office? It was a a sequel to Bruce Almighty. Uh, And Steve Carell kind of plays a uh, Noah of the Ark redo. And Morgan Freeman plays God. And the Steve Carell character has just been elected to congressional office and has just moved into a very nice home in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. And out of nowhere appears uh, God in the form of Morgan Freeman, who says to him, you're going to build an ark. And you can imagine Steve Carell's character's response. Uh, Having just moved there and uh, just being elected to office, he says, you have to understand that this whole building an ark thing is really not a part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. And then Morgan Freeman, as God, laughs. As Woody Allen said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Um, At the very beginning of Luke's Gospel, there are two major life disruptions. Two major life disruptions right off the bat in Luke. Luke's Gospel. The first is with the priest Zechariah, who we are told he and his wife Elizabeth are advanced in years. Uh, He goes into the temple, and the angel Gabriel comes to him and says that he and his wife Elizabeth shall bear a child, despite their advanced age. And Gabriel is uh, perplexed and questions this and says, this cannot be so. How can this be? Elizabeth and I are really old. And Gabriel responds... Uh, anything's possible. God's done this before. Do you remember? Um, and because uh, Zechariah questions this, uh, he has, uh, April makes it so that Zechariah cannot speak for nine months as a result. And he comes out of the temple and people are expecting him to say something and he just makes hand gestures. Major life disruption. Not only the not being able to speak for nine months, but the baby, uh, John. The second uh, major life disruption comes when Gabriel comes again, this time to Mary. Um, And this one is even bigger. He says to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Uh, Like an apparition, out of nowhere. You know, who was she? In 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 a backwater town. To have an angel come and say, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And as a result, we are told that she was greatly troubled. And wouldn't you be, you know, if a 
if a messenger of God came and said, Greetings, not only that, you're, you're favored in the sight of God. She, like us, uh, was greatly troubled. There's a famous painting hanging in a museum in Philadelphia called The Annunciation. That's a painting of this moment by an artist named Henry Tanner who painted it in 1898. And uh, I love this painting because it shows a young Mary who appears to be an adolescent teenager um, in bed in the middle of the night with uh, her hair, you know, unkempt and in rumpled clothing because she's been sleeping. And there's no halo. Just a normal teenage girl who uh, looks like she's been woken up in the middle of the night. And that's probably what it was a lot like. Uh, She was completely unprepared for this. Now, God works through disruption often. Perhaps more often than through the mountaintops. And, you know, people want to talk about the mountaintop experiences and how God was there. I felt the Holy Spirit, and that's probably true. And we want to keep reliving those mountaintop experiences because we feel like that's where God is at work. But I want to say to you that God is perhaps even more so at work through the unexpected disruptions of our life's plans. Um, People like to say, you know, um, you've got to let God into your life. You know, God, yes, God does most of the work, but you've got to do a little bit. You know, if God does 99%, you've got to do the one. Um, You've got to leave the door cracked open a little bit to let God in. Otherwise, he won't come in. And that kind of thing is in reference to Revelation where we hear, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Now, this is true, that if God knocks on the door of our life and we open it, God will come in. But that verse is descriptive and not prescriptive. Because most of the time, God usually knocks our doors down. He doesn't just knock on it or politely ring the bell. You know, God isn't a gentleman in that respect. Usually he takes a wrecking ball to our fortified doors and knocks it down and enters in. You know, just read the Bible. Uh, including the stories that we that I've retold today that we had here in the pageant, but you know, look at the whole scope of the Bible and how God enters into the lives of the, the people of these stories. Just think of Joseph of the Old Testament, you know, being uh, put into a ditch by his brother and sold into bondage so that God might work in his life that way. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't in Joseph's five-year plan. Um, Think about Moses, minding his own business, and there God appears in a burning bush. And Moses says, I'm not your man. And God says, oh yes you are. And Samuel, lying on the floor sleeping, and God keeps trying to wake him up. um, And has to call to him several times, uh, this young boy who would become a prophet. And then as I said today, Zechariah and Elizabeth in their old age. And now today, young Mary. And then after this story, we hear how God interrupts Joseph's life as well. I mean, this was a major interruption in Joseph's plans as well. They weren't even married yet. uh, And he would have to uh, change the course of his life as a result. And God's interrupted, I can say, in my own life, God has interrupted my plans many times. It probably happens on a daily basis. 
But uh, there are several big ones that I can certainly point to where it had to be providential. And not just including my own Christian conversion. I mean, coming to faith in my 20s was a major life disruption uh, on the West Coast, where most people think you're crazy when you become a Christian. Uh, That really disrupted my plans to be sure. But there are other things. More recently, for example, in March, I got an email from Andrew Pearson. Uh, After I just had a mountaintop experience with a committee the weekend before that was going really well on a Tuesday, I received an email that said, I wonder what you'd think about coming to that. (laughs) Major life disruption. And I I think God was probably at work in that. You know, uh, what was it? We interrupt this regularly scheduled broadcast with the, the message that you really need to be hearing right now. Wake up. And there are some uh, Christian cliches about all of this that I'm talking about that, that honestly, if I'm honest with you, I hate hearing that. Uh, you might hear someone say, or at the bottom of their email tagline, or on a bumper sticker, relax, God is in control, or let go, and let God. Have you heard these things? You probably say it too. You won't catch me saying it because I, I'm just like, forget that. I don't, I don't want that. You know, it's terrible for a type A control freak like me. And even if you're type B, it's terrible for you. You don't want these disruptions as much as the next guy. Yet, God is in control. You know, let go, let God. It's true. I hate it, but it's true. I want God in the mountaintops. I don't want Him in the disruptions, in the struggle. And yet, that's where He works and where we find Him. So what's the good news about God's interruptions? The incarnation, and that's just the the fancy, we have these children's books called Fancy Nancy, and she always says, that's just fancy for, whenever there's a big word. The incarnation is fancy for God taking on human flesh, for God becoming human. And the incarnation is the the sovereign disruption on all of humanity. You know, if it were up to us, we would have said, no thanks. No thanks, God. We've got it under control. We can handle this. But we can't. And we didn't. And we don't. And so he's disrupted not only the life of Mary and Joseph, but all of humanity in the incarnation. Well, what about you? What are the disruptions in your life? You know, there's bound to be one later today. I'm sorry to break it to you. It's just the way life goes. And you've probably had some in the past. And maybe it was clear to you that God's providential hand was at work in those things. God employs these trials to set us free. To knock down our own schemes and plans about life. Our five-year plans, or whatever it is. You know, what I'm going to do for lunch today. He knocks these schemes down so that we might seek Him in everything. So we might seek God. The God who took on human flesh. The God who came to humanity through an unprepared young mother. And who would walk around among us gracefully interrupting everyone's plans for 33 years. The God who would then go to the grave on our behalf. 
This is the gospel. The ultimate capital D disruption and the ultimate capital D gift, therefore. And there is no one, no one, not even you, who can take this freedom that comes from the disruption away. Amen.